Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to Hover.com slash TWIP. That's Hover.com slash T-W-I-P. This week on the show, photographers building a book for charity in Google+. Is Apple planning new publishing tools? And should you send your photos out to be retouched in India? Recorded Wednesday, January 4th, 2012, this is TWIP. Hey everyone, welcome back to This Week in Photo. I'm Alex Lindsay, your host, and uh, I am st- sitting in for Frederick, who is out today. Uh, we Some kind of emergency, I don't know what it was, but uh, you know, we're going to try not to talk about it on the show. Try not to make fun of him and... Well, maybe we'll make a little fun of him because he's not here, and that's you know usually the best time to do it. So uh, anyway, but I am here with uh, Steve Simon. Hey, Steve. I'm, I miss him already. You're what? He's, I miss him already. Fred's not here? I know. I miss Frederick. I know. But I'm glad you're here, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much. And also Derek Story. Hey, Derek. Hey, guys. How you doing? And uh, what have you guys been doing? Derek, what, you're, you're, so the funny thing about this, of course, is that we're recording a podcast, and Derek is like, Ten miles from my house. <laughs> you know, my, my house is in Petaluma, Derek's in Santa Rosa. And uh, yeah, he's, I, I think if I, Steve was saying before the show that if I opened the window, I could probably, you know, call out to Derek. Hey, Derek. So, um, so anyway, what have you been up to, Derek? Well, you know, we always have to do something exotic to talk to each other. I mean, our, our favorite places like Las Vegas or New York or that's, that's pretty much the time. Where, yeah. where, when, when you and I run into each other, we are just somewhere else in the world. I somewhere mean, else in the world. And, and oftentimes I'll, I'll be in Tokyo and I'll be looking around and going, yeah. where's Derek? <laughs> He's got to be around here somewhere. Oh, you could see me easy in Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So what have you been working on? Uh, I'm working on – actually today I'm working on a little time-lapse project. I've been doing a lot of that, that stuff lately. What kind of time-lapse are you doing? So, you know, I'm doing a hodgepodge of things, but actually I'm not going to give away what my my pick of the week is, but I've been playing with stuff for the iPhone and the iPad and actually shooting uh, time-lapse and stop-motion with that and then editing it on the iPad and iMovie and then actually uh, uh, giving it, delivering it to clients. (laughs) And it's been – and it's – part of it's – proof of concept but the other part of it is uh it actually is really easy and really fun it's so, really easy to do on on the iphone because there's just there's a lot of good tools which application are you using for the time lapse uh i'm using an app by blink software called i stop motion mm-hmm. so and uh you can actually when you're on a wi-fi network you can capture with the iphone 4s and then it just sends the um sends the frames to the uh, application on the iPad, and then you can do all sorts of stuff with it. it. It's really a cool application in terms of manipulating frame rate and things like that. It's uh, it's a hoot. I have to tell you, it's a lot of. You know what's so funny when you start uh, screwing around with uh, time lapse and stuff, you start seeing it everywhere. It's like you know, it's yeah. like when you buy a new car and everyone suddenly has that car. Yeah. So now every commercial, every introduction to a, a, a sporting event, every everything, you see time lapse everywhere. Well, and you start to break it down because you know we yes. we. Uh, 
we've shot a lot of time lapse, and Brent By and my brother have shot a lot with uh, sliders. So these big sliders that'll go up to thirty six feet, you know, over you know an hour, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or whatever. And so you get these crazy. Uh, things where you see a lot of people moving really, really fast, but the camera's just slowly drifting one direction or another. Oh, yeah, that's and, cool. And, those, and, and, and the other thing you get into is deciding how much motion blur you want. So how long yes. is that, how long is that exposure going to stay open? Uh, you know, those are the type of things. So that you, do you want the people to all be, you know, with no motion blur? Do you want them all smeared? And, and it's a, it is a, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think I, I find myself obsessed with both slow motion and stop motion. Because yes. I think, you know, because I think that there's something, there's some kind of reality that you don't see when everything's working in real time that you see in those two instances. It's very interesting, and, and I'm I'm starting to get a feel now for the different things you can do with frame rate and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so it feels good. It feels like I'm starting to have a little control over it. But uh, I think it's interesting, and I think it mixes in nicely with other video. So you know, you're doing something, you have a little bit of this in there. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It it really spruces things up a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Steve, what have you been working on? Well, I uh, I'm just back from the Bahamas. I was on I was at a yoga retreat with my wife because I don't like to shoot from sort of standing up, uh, sort of you know that kind of angle. I like to get low, and you know as I age, it gets harder to get low. So the yoga retreat really helped, and uh, I'm in the Bahamas, and I'm I had my camera with me. I, I your just, wife let uh, you take the your your wife let you take the camera. She did, she did, and uh, you know, I, I had a day off. I, I, I went. They had a, a great parade there. It's almost like Carnival. It's called Junkanoo, and it goes from midnight to about nine a.m. the next day. And I hung in throughout the entire night photographing. It was quite an amazing uh, parade. They do it uh, for on Boxing Day, and they do it on the first day of the year. They do the same parade, but it's colorful and beautiful, and uh, it was photographically uh, fun. I, I uh, have uh, – I love – I mean, I love taking photos everywhere. My, my, my wife oftentimes, she thinks that taking away the camera will keep me from working. Because <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm like, no. it's, just, it's just what I love to do. I actually get paid for what I love to do. So this is just more more fun. It is not work, though, really. And, that, and that's the one yeah. thing when you try and explain to maybe um, a spouse that, you know, it's not really work because, you know, you're, no one's paying you to do this. You want to be doing it. And right. that's the joy of photography. I mean, I think uh, all our listeners uh, understand that, whether they're professional or not. Uh, you know, they're out there because they just want to be. And it's, 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 it's amazing to find something like that. Now you're all relaxed now? I'm very, very relaxed. I still can't. I'm probably the most inflexible. I was always, I, I could never bend, even in like grade two at the assembly. I couldn't like cross my legs. But right. you know what? I probably need it more than most. And uh uh, it didn't. It didn't hurt that much, and uh, you know, it's a good way to start the new year. I decided to get into to become. This is. We'll keep this short. This is kind of a yeah. rat hole, but I. I decided to come become really flexible one time, and I went. They actually have machines that will stretch you out. Just in case you're wondering, you can't do it I all at once. Was, I thought that was in the 1800s. And no, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a mechanic. It's, it's a version like that, except it's hydraulic now. You know, technology and everything else, and um, and it's amazing. In 10 weeks, you can go from not being able to, you know, getting six inches from your toes to being able to wrap your hands underneath your feet. 
Well, I, I can't put my uh, my my leg behind my neck yet, but uh, I tell you what, you know, it's it's not it it just it it's it's a good thing, and yeah. a little bit is better than nothing, and uh, yeah, I'm, I feel good. I think the conversation for photographers or anybody in technology is definitely to remember that you do have to have you have to hold the the camera with something, and taking care of whatever that is is. The, you uh, know, we we laugh about that, but you know, ergonomics. We spend so much time in front of our computers these days that uh, it really is important. And you got to be you got to be comfortable, and uh, you want to kind of do whatever you need to do so that you can uh, have the uh, stamina in the field. Because you know that's right. when the the best pictures often come at the end of the day. And if you're if you leave too early, you're going to miss it. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's jump into the stories here. Uh, we've got uh, this is our first story. Uh, photogra- uh, photographers unite for a Google Plus photography book. So this is more than 200 photographers, including Thomas Hawk, uh, Patrick Smith, Brian Day, uh, and uh, Joel uh, Gingeller. Uh, and they've all come together to collaborate on a book that's composed of images that are on Google+. Now, I don't know if you guys are using Google+, yet. Uh, it's a great format for for photos. A lot of people have really enjoyed looking at their photos that way. And uh, and so these guys are putting together a book from here. And, and, and is this a, the question is, is this really a trend of people starting to collaboratively uh, work on this publishing, or is it always? It's, is it just a continuation, Derek? Is it just is this just a continuation of what we've already seen, or is it something new? Yeah, I think they've in this case, I think they've moved the party over from Flickr over to Google Plus. But uh, you know, they uh, they've been doing this stuff, and you know, a lot of photographers have been getting together on on things uh, independently and so forth. So I think it's just a continuation. I think it's this one is kind of fun. It has. It has some really nice images uh, from the shots I've seen, some really good photographers. But I think the part of it is is that now we're doing it with stuff from Google+, and, uh, you know, which is uh, very much in vogue right now. Have you used Google+, yet? Yeah, I, I, I do. I have an account there, and uh, I, I publish something every day on there, and I kind of keep an eye on, on what's going on. I think it is a great format. I mean, in terms of the the light box and how it shows off your images it, it is very nice uh i think it's very nice especially compared to facebook uh i think the flicker light box is actually pretty decent but mm-hmm. uh compared to facebook it's sure it's extremely nice <laughs> now now both of you have have uh you know published books and as you look at all of these photographers starting to get ready to publish their own their own books and so on and so forth uh, steve do you think that this is should publishers be worried that that photographers get to a point that they don't really need them? Well, I think uh, publishers are, are worried right now because of, you know, the state of the publishing industry. And the fact is, you know, as e-books uh, get more and more popular, and, and they are, um, you know, who's got the most to lose? And that is uh, likely the traditional publishers if they're not in the uh, digital publishing in a big way. But it's uh, kind of a great equalizer in the sense that uh, you know any photographer can you know create their own ebook and offer it up for sale at a very reasonable price, and uh, you know there's strength in numbers. Normally, when you you do a book, uh, you know you get an advance, and there's so much expense that goes in. You don't really make a lot of money um, uh, in doing a book. You do a book for for different reasons. So so uh, you know there's great opportunity I think for us to to get our work out there, and you know maybe even to make some money if we want to go that. E-book, ebook roots. I know that uh, David Dushman and his Craft and Vision website is doing very well. Five bucks a pop, and you know, worldwide audience, and it's getting uh, you know, the message is getting out there. But the thing about the Google Plus book, it's it's for charity, and that's that's a great thing. 
you know, I think, you know, there's a long history of photographers, there's strength in numbers. And, you know, from the earliest cooperatives like Magnum, um, you know, photographers have always gotten together, uh, you know, for, for causes, be it just the, to pursue their, their work in the highest possible way or to raise money for, for various, um, you know, charities. So it's, it's nice to see. I do think it's interesting, you know, as as because I I always I I threaten to write books. <laughs> people people uh, uh, you know you know I, I oftentimes get offers and I I'm so particular and, and and also just that I'm it's just hard to get for me to settle down long enough to actually do one and uh, but I but it's so funny when, as I look at it I feel like it's all it's all catching up where you're getting to a point like for instance if the next iBook or, or I'm sorry iPad has a Retina display you're talking about something that is nearly the same, you know, dot pitch as an, as an art magazine, you know, so, so you're really getting to a point where it's going to look like a photograph that you're looking at it there and, and it won't feel like paper as much, but it's, it, it will be very sharp and, and we're, you know, we're going to see at CES next week four four 4k monitors that are, you know, very, very sharp. So it does feel like that experience of really being able to see everything. It seems like it's, it's coming up there. And, and I think it, it does seem like it really does level the playing field because you're, um, you know anybody can publish these things at this point and and I think it 's going to get uh, even more level here soon. Uh, Apple has uh, an event happening in New York, and a lot of speculation is it 's going to be around publishing and self publishing and so forth well, i 'd be so, really excited to see self publishing because I think that one of the biggest yeah. problems right now is being able to do high quality uh, book publishing you know really design something that looks great on on iBooks and not feel like you need a huge infrastructure to do it. There's that. There's that part of it, and then the part that I'm sort of excited about, waiting to see. Uh, just as a, as an author, is then you know distribution, and you know, can I plug into you know something? Can I create the book myself, but plug into to a big distribution where it really has a chance to get in front of a lot of people? And uh, so, well, and of course, iTunes and iBooks and yeah, uh, is is a pretty big distribution model. And I think that if it turns out that Apple does something that allows you to actually really create a very designed book as an individual and then self-publish to, let's say, iBooks, I think that actually gives them a certain advantage over what we've seen so far with the Amazon bookstore, which is, I think is much larger, much more, much more successful, much larger, but it not as, you know, the e-book, the e-pub format is crude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared to what what it could be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's true. I mean, I got into uh, you know to podcasting about the time that Apple you know allowed podcasts to be distributed in iTunes, and it's been just fantastic for me. It's just been a wonderful thing. And if they can do something like that for books, which I don't know, again, we're speculating, but yeah. I have a pretty good feeling about. Uh, I think, boy, l- the playing field is really going to become fun. Yeah. Yeah, because you know it. It's also a, a question of uh, curation because you know, as as we know, with the number of apps that are out there, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. So we kind of need people out there that know what they're talking about to kind of point us to the the best ones. And I think that uh, it's probably an opportunity for someone out there to to kind of uh, become somewhat of a curator, uh, mm. someone who can be trusted that can point to. You know, maybe the best uh, books that are out there, etc. Um, because uh, as as we know, it's only going to get more confusing with 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 you know exponentially more choices uh, as photographers, and and we don't want to really kind of be wasting time surfing too much. We want to sort of get to the good stuff right away. You know, it's funny. We I, I have a we're noticing a, a huge surge in popularity across all the shows that I'm on uh, or that I'm involved with in in, in the recommendations. People really want to know. 
you know, after we've looked at all these things, what are our choices as the best one? Because we usually have the advantage, or some of us have the advantage of getting a lot of stuff, you know, in the office, mm-hmm. and and so we're we get to see six different versions of of whatever the the item is, and you know, we play with it and noodle with it, and and they don't want to go through that. <laughs> they don't want to buy the wrong one. They don't want to, you know, they want someone to show them. And I know that for me, when I'm buying something I don't know. I really depend a lot on, for instance, Amazon reviews. You know, if I'm in, mm-hmm. if I'm on Amazon, I'm really expecting, I'm really hoping to get um, reviews that are going to make a difference. Uh, either, and I really read them. You know, I'm not only looking at the stars, but I'm looking at what people say, what it works, and what it doesn't work, and I'm looking for certain things. And it's incredible how important that becomes when exactly what you're saying, Steve, or it becomes, you know, there's just so many choices and you don't know where to go. So um, yeah. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I too with the reviews and now that I've, you know, have my, my, not that I would ever, uh, sort of, you know, publicly publicize, uh, one of my commercial endeavors, like my new book, The Passionate Photographer, which is an incredible book, by the way, available on amazon.com. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I mean, I do look at the reviews and that's why I'm as an author, I guess, and I, and Derek could probably, you know, point to the same thing. You are incredibly sensitive when it comes to people talking about it. Fortunately, I've had, a lot of great reviews of the book, but there's always the you know the odd person out there that uh, that doesn't like it. And uh, but it it it's you you can usually tell by by the quality of of what it is you're reading. And when it comes to products, for example, if I'm on a, a website, maybe B and H, I'll look at the reviews uh, if it's something I'm unfamiliar with. And and it it really does, um, as you say, Alex, make a, a big difference in confidence before you uh, hit the buy button. When I always look at these long, you know, verbose reviews that are incredibly detailed, I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> and where do I send a check? You know, it's like we need to pay exactly. these guys to sit there and and, and tell it because it's just they belong in consumer reports because they're like after because what, what's incredible is you see these check ins like after six months. I have found the, <laughs> you know, and you're like, holy smokes, these guys are serious. So God uh, bless them. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So um. Have you seen this new Polaroid camera? This is the Z three forty. So now this this is this is crazy. I think crazy good, but crazy. So <laughs> I I love Polaroids, um, and you know I've between SX seventies and and which I never actually used in a camera the the film, <laughs> but um, and and all the other Polaroids. I just thought it was when I grew up. I just always thought they were kind of magical. And but we don't want to, you know, we want a digital version of it, of course. Um, and Polaroid has kind of given us the best of both worlds. And so this is a, um, this is the uh, fourteen uh, megapixel digital camera. So it actually takes a fourteen megapixel camera. It looks like a Polaroid, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it takes a takes a, um, uh, a fourteen megapixel camera. But then it prints on the ink free zinc printer. So this is you know a little, little cartridge thing. So you can, so you can actually. Um, Print your Polaroid, but still get it on an SD card. What do you guys think? Does it, Derek? Does this is this something you be oh. getting soon? Oh I, well, I love these things. You know, I, I love this stuff. This is a cool camera, but it's funny when I when I read about this camera, I went up to the archives upstairs at the studio, and I pulled out something that I got God, years and years ago. Uh, an Olympus. Uh, I wonder if anyone in the audience has this an Olympus C two eleven. Zoom, which is a, a two megapixel camera that had a Polaroid printer built into it. It's a, it's about uh, about ten inches tall. You know, this big old thing. Yeah. <laughs> it uses a smart media, right. and uh, I love that thing. I mean, I, I still have it. It still prints and everything. Right. It, it only takes two megapixel shots, so. But uh, it, it's great, and you know, even when I used uh, you know this thing before, you don't print all the time. But I'll tell you, sometimes. 
and I think Steve's in this situation actually more than I am, but sometimes when you're somewhere, when you're shooting on location and you know, you're shooting with people that don't really know you or you don't have complete rapport yet, one of the coolest things you can do is give them a print right there, a shot right there of, of, what, of what's going on. And uh, it, it can really just you know, win people over and just create this really nice feeling. So having a camera that can print on the spot is, is a pretty fun thing. Yeah, the uh, Steve, do you is it do you do you have that issue? Do you print a lot on on site? Uh, well, you know, I, not not necessarily, but you know what? I I didn't have a camera like this, and I can definitely see, you know, sometimes, and you know, Alex, because I know you do a lot of work in Africa. You're yeah. you're traveling there, and uh, you would love to be able to offer, um, you know, a print to the people in front of you. And if you don't have an instant um, camera or uh, you know, one of those little printers. But this is kind of the ideal solution because it allows you to choose to actually print one out. And I'm assuming like Polaroid has always been, it's kind of a, not a cheap uh, uh, pursuit per print, although I'm sure it's not crazy expensive. But if people have an email address, because it's a digital image, you can, you know, kind of email the image. But if you're in a place where, you know, they just don't have email, you can give them a, a hard copy. So it sounds like the... Uh, the perfect kind of icebreaker um, travel camera for photographers that want to kind of leave something uh, with the people in an easy way. A great party camera, too. <laughs> yeah. Really. I mean, parties would be just a hoot with this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, you know, that's the number one use that I've had with the Polaroid is actually using uh, a Polaroid in Africa, where I'd go with cartridges and cartridges, and I would make sure that while I was taking pictures of people with my my digital camera is also taking pictures with uh, the Polaroid and handing them out. And of course the, you know, the challenge is always making sure you have enough film or enough, you know, prints yeah. to keep up with everybody. But, um, but it is a great way to kind of leave stuff, leave stuff behind. Um, I, we're, uh, we finally are one, our first little test program in Rwanda got funded. So we're going to be putting up gear, um, in, uh, next month or this month, <laughs> uh, in Rwanda. And we hope to do a lot more of that. So, so uh, cameras like this will be could be very useful. So we'll, we'll that's, see how that's goes. awesome. So you'll probably have the first one then, Alex. I'm gonna, you know, I might go out and get one because I, you know, have to see how it works. You know, <laughs> these are the things that uh, that we have to think about. Yeah. So um, someone's got to be first, and why not Alex? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So uh, before we get to the next story, I just want to remind everybody, of course, that uh, you can look at, you can check us out on Facebook and Google Plus. Uh, you can join the conversation there, submit questions, uh, uh, put comments in, tell us how we're doing. Uh, go to Facebook.com uh, slash This Week in Photography, or you can go to fbj.me slash twip plus, and that'll take you to the, that's Frederick set that up to make it a little easier to uh, to find us on um, on Google Plus. So uh, definitely check that out. And um, the next story is uh, res- uh, retouching outsourcing. So this is um, this is a new service called well, this is a service like Ready Touch, a Ready Retouch. This is in India, uh, and what they're doing is, of course, they're providing retouching services for photographers at a fraction of the cost that you would normally pay, uh, and probably less than you could afford to pay yourself. You know, to do this unless you have a lot of time on your hands. And so, um, so they will, you know, you'll send your photos in there, and they'll touch them up and send them back to you. Uh, and, and the photo retouching can uh, often take you know, cost as little as uh, $20. Uh, and so, uh, you know, instead of, you know, 125 bucks an hour, if you're handing it off to someone or whatever you value your time at, and this is $20 to have the whole photo retouch, not $20 per hour. So, uh, uh, Derek, do you see yourself sending your images to India for, for fine retouching? 
I I don't. I don't. I mean, I I retouch digitally and uh, pretty pretty happy with you it. You like it, don't you? You like retouching. I, I, I do. I do. I mean, I you know, especially portraits and stuff. It's it's kind of fun. So no, I don't. I don't see myself. In fact, I have to say that probably one of the things that I really like about the current as you know digital age thing is that I don't have to send stuff out to have other people work on it. I can work on it myself. And, uh, you know, I like printing. Uh, you know, we've done, done printing together. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I like being in charge of the whole process myself. And I, and I, Steve, do you, do you see yourself sending anything out? Uh, can you well, see situations where you might send it out I, for, out, for retouching? I, I, I see potential situations. I know that, you know, heavy volume shooters like wedding photographers, for example, I mean, there are retouching, um, you know, houses in North America that do a very good job. And, you know, when you're doing a high end wedding, you can probably afford to pay the retoucher to take all the pain away from you. We've got 3000 images that you want to give to them and have them all, you know, fixed and, 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 you know, shiny and ready to go. It's a wonderful thing. I think, uh, you know, some photographers, some wedding photographers have, have gone retro and shot film partly because of how it looks, but also maybe partly because of the ease of, you know, handing in the film and getting the prints back and all that kind of stuff. It, 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 for high volume stuff, it kind of makes sense. I remember um, this kind of service being outsourced um, when you have a bunch of negatives or old prints in the shoebox. And I think that's an area where most people would love to be able to hand that shoebox of precious images over and have everything digitized. Problem is, of course... You want to hand over those precious images, you know, thousands of miles away to India. I don't think a lot of people are willing to take that chance. Which is the interesting because I've been scared to do that. But I have to say that Ron, Ron Brinkman's done it. Scott's done it to like Scan Cafe and so on and so yeah. forth. And, and I've got nothing but uh, stellar reports. Of, of, of course, of but it'll be the it. one in a thousand. No, that's that me. Lose, yeah. lose your shoebox of your <laughs> irreplaceable images. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, what do you think, Alex? I mean, does it make sense? Well, I, I think that, you know... In the same way, I find it I, – I enjoy retouching um, you know, to a fair bit, so I, I, I like doing the work. Uh, and I find that also the tools today are, um, are so powerful as far as being able to retouch fairly quickly um, that, that there, there's very few times where I feel like I would really need to send it out. Um, I can say that if I, was, if I was going through a lot of photography and I had to deliver a lot of images, I'd be very tempted. As soon as it didn't look like it was going to be fun anymore – uh, I could definitely see myself sending it out. I think there's a big difference between a high-end, you know, $125 or $150 an hour retoucher. Uh, we have, um, for quite a bit of time, we had uh, McKay Hawks, who was a uh, a very, very high-end uh, retoucher uh, that did a lot of work for us, both in 3D and, and, photo, uh, and Photoshop work. And I am absolutely certain that what's, what they're offering here is not what he provided. You know, it, you know his his level of expertise was incredibly high, um, and the kind of work he did wasn't just clean up a little bit. It was you know this was for high end ad agencies, so it was um, you know reshape, um, <laughs> rebuild, uh, change. They don't look they barely look the way they looked when they took the photo kind of thing. Yeah, make, make no mistake. I mean, this is not that. I mean, right. This but is when really you talk, just... but when we're comparing it to one hundred twenty five bucks an hour, one hundred fifty dollars an hour, that's oh, what you're fair enough. These yeah, guys, yeah. when we say that, what we're saying is these are the guys that are doing that. And those guys are, they're changing the patterns on their, on their uh, scarves and, and changing mm-hmm. the, the color of the scarf and changing and adding makeup and, you know, all of that stuff, um, you know, in Photoshop. And so 
so there's a there's a level I think of, of retouching that that this isn't really going to. Now I I do think the mediocre, uh, the kind of the middle of the road, we're just going to clean it up a little bit. I think this is a real. It'd be very compelling. Yeah. You know, I no, think for Albert, a lot of people. Al- I was going to just mention Albert Watson, the great great portrait photographer. I think he's based in in London mostly. Said that uh, uh, retouchers um, should get most of the credit, not the photographers. And he's talking about you know the modeling industry and the oh, yeah. high end magazines, and you know no question about that. The and that's what you're talking about too when you come come to that high level of of retouching. But I remember you kids are probably too young to remember, but I remember you know being in the dark room and making prints, and I was a pretty proficient printer. But there were some people that were true artists and being able to get the most out of a particular negative, particularly with a challenging one. And uh, you know what? I think a lot of photographers were happy to give over their prints if they could afford it, their negatives over to someone who could do a better job. Retouching at the highest level is like that too. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the that killer image uh, that you're going to print that Derek was talking about, I mean, only you can really know exactly what you're looking for. So right. at that point, I think it's it's nice to have the full control. Now, I think that the other place that this makes a lot of sense is for the, not the, necessarily the pro photographer. I mean, I think it does make sense for people doing volume, but I think we also have to look at, you have that family photo with a little bit of water damage, or you have that family photo with, you know, some some imperfections, and you're not a Photoshop user. You know, you're not someone who does a lot of that. And, you know, this is a photo that's very important to you and you don't know exactly where to go. That's where something like this also may make sense, you know, is for you to get something that is near and dear to your heart where you don't have the expertise. You take photos, um, but you may find you, you have old photos that you want to get cleaned up. I know my parents have lots of photos like that. And, and I know that I'm not... I know that they want those photos, and I think it would be important to have them in the family archives. I'm not that excited about spending the next you know, two weeks cleaning those photos up. So you know, if, if they asked me to do that, I would probably scan them and, and, um, and then send them out for, for retouching and see how if, – if, if it went well, I'd probably send them all. I'd send th- two or three. Uh, and I don't, th- I don't think in this case you have to send them the – you're not sending them the physical scan. You can scan it yourself and then upload it to them. And have them, you know, sort that out. So you're not risking anything other than the twenty dollars um, to see how that goes. So I definitely could see how uh, people who don't do a lot of uh, retouching, because retouching is, even in its simplest form, does t- is is a little bit of an art. You know, using the clone tool is a is a dangerous thing. <laughs> and, and and as many uh, we've seen press photographers make huge mistakes using the clone tool. Um, they've gotten caught mostly because of bad technique. I don't mean to say that like they should be doing it, but I'm saying that when you look at it from a, from someone who uses Photoshop a lot, you're like, really? They actually put that in a magazine? You know, you know, it's like you know, because you can see all the the repeats and you can see all the fuzzy edges and you can see all the pieces that don't make any sense. You know, and you're kind of surprised that someone in the business would do that. But you know, photographers are not necessarily retouchers. Yeah, yeah. The press photographers that get caught are usually kind of. Um Doing more than just uh, you know fixing dust specks, they're they're covering <laughs> stuff up and doing some bad things that they're not supposed to do. Which again, what I will say is that a good retoucher could do that, and you never know the difference. And and there's probably great images out there that have been have been changed. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, we you know uh, we we might need not even have a new leader in, in North Korea, as far as we know. I mean, it's just you know, we it's uh, but the good retouching you know could. Uh, you know, can can get away with all those things, um, and and not that it, not that they should, just that they you know they could. All that for twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and 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 this is the you know one of the things I think that we've a recurring theme in in a couple of the shows that we that that we've uh, been on has been talking about the fact that you really need 
to, and I've kind of distilled it down on a couple of talks that I've had for people who are in our industry, not necessarily photography, but media, is that there are really three buckets that you have to figure out, you know, in my opinion, that where you fit. You know, you're either extremely good, extremely unique, or extremely cheap. You know, and and those are the and and you got to figure out where that bucket is because that's where this I feel like our industry continues to kind of, you know, coalesce into that you're doing something very unique that no one else does. You're doing something better than everyone else, or you're very inexpensive. You know, and and if you can't figure out where you fit into that, I I always feel like you have, you need to find that bucket. You know, be have a unique opportunity, and that unique thing may be the way you market it. You know, it may be the way you you know, manage that process or, or the best it could be that. Um, but I think that, you know, I think just being like everybody else is going to be harder and harder, you know, in our industry. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but I, well, there's yeah. a lot of everybody else's. So, uh, being like everyone, I mean, the, the signal to noise ratio right now is, ooh, so you need to be something, you need to be something or you need to be lucky. But, uh, I think it's better to, to work on the things that you were talking about yeah. and not count on being lucky. <laughs> yeah, It also depends kind of what you want to do with your thing. I mean, if you're just enjoying photography and you don't need to make money from it, you know, you can do, you don't have to fall into that buck, but I think, uh, right. you know, Alex, what you're talking about is to survive as a, a business person in the industry. Yeah. You've got to kind of, uh, uh, have a have a, a reason for people to to employ you and and all three of those i guess uh um you know if you can combine unique and great i think you don't have to be cheap <laughs> no absolutely absolutely and i think that's the thing is that is that uh, you know cuz i know for a lot of our business we started off as cheap you know and we've slowly moved to kind of a mixture of unique and great <laughs> and i don't i don't mean to brag but i mean it, what i mean is that we're not i wouldn't say we're the best but for what we do, we're very unique and we do it fairly well. Yeah, but no, we're not cheap. You know, like you know, it's you know to do to do what we do anymore. Uh, not not the way I just I just lost a couple bids recently because I the the bids that came in were too too low and I was like I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. I, I I remember when I'd be excited about that job and I just can't. You know, I'm I'm not. You know, we don't have an infrastructure that's built for that anymore. You know, and it's but that's a but that's a progression. But but you have to know that you can progress that way, and you have to, and then and that takes an enormous amount of work to pay attention to what those systems are. You know, like you have to constantly be improving to 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 survive that. And fair enough. And and you know, because it's kind of the beginning of the year show, um, you know, it's a good time to kind of maybe uh, you know frame frame this year coming up and and maybe set a few goals as to kind of what you want to achieve photographically or. You know, I know Derek's getting more into the, the video end and, you know, whatever your, your goals are, it's a good time to sort of mark them down and figure out strategies to, to, to get there. By the well, end of the- and I also think that the, one of the most important things is that you find something you're really passionate about. I mean, that's going to make it much easier to do all of this. I think, um, and we've said this before, but it just seems like a lot of times people are looking for the gap. Like, where are people hiring? You see all these magazines. Every time I see this, where, is, where are people hiring? What industries are the hot industries? And you feel like, okay, well, people are going to now all try to go that way. They may not be passionate about it, but they think that they can get a job that way. And I feel like it's very hard to compete when you're not passionate and you're not thinking about it all the time, you know, yeah. and, and, and pondering. how You know, like we were talking earlier, like you take your camera to the Bahamas for your vacation because you love it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, you know what? If you're passionate about your photography and, you know, the money will come. I mean, there's, there's no question that... Uh, when you're passionate about whatever the project is, whatever the pursuit you're doing in your photography, that will 
be infused into the imagery, it, it will come out. I mean, it, you can't articulate it, but it will be there. It will be there because you're spending all that extra time. It'll be there because you just, you know, can't stop. You're, you're that passionate about it. So, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 uh, that's, there's, there's no doubt about that. I'm sure Derek would agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the only way you can work 20 hours a day, Steve. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I actually did find a way to add more hours to the day. I, I had a day where I left early morning in Tokyo. And, ah. uh, and, and then I just, I kept, I, and I went to New York. And it turned out I really had a 36-hour day. It was, it was uh, you just have to keep on going. You'd have to keep on flying and working in the plane. And you could actually have a lot of 36-hour days. You'd go crazy. But um, I'm just shocked that uh, Derek takes four hours off a day. What's that about? <laughs> well, well I, I need time to percolate, you know, for the next day. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's time for our, our listener Q&A. Uh, this is the segment where our guests, an- uh, guests answer questions that have come in from our audience via the website, forums, our Facebook group, um, Google+, and over Twitter. Uh, you can use the hashtag, by the way, TwipQuestions, um, to submit a question uh, to our future shows. And so here's the question one. This, I'm going to throw this one to Derek. Um, and uh, this comes t- uh, from our Twip forum. And uh, from the name, <laughs> the name is uh, fish to uh, fish top records i think uh and uh, it says i'm i'm getting new tripod legs and so it's time to consider what type of head to get i see that all the sites and advice folks suggest a ball head over the old style pan and tilt head i don't see the attraction of the ball head the pan and tilt worked for me for decades assuming it is a ball head uh, what do I look for to get something that is suitable for an enthusiast? Spending $400 for a head alone is simply not in my budget. So, Derek, what should he be thinking about? Or well, uh, first of all, on the issue of the ball head, it doesn't have to be uh, an all-or-nothing proposition in terms of pan and tilt. Uh, there's a lot of uh, ball heads right now that have a, a pan control in addition to the ball head itself. So use the ball head to sort of set the angle of the camera. And then uh, you can, the separate knob, and you can still pan with it. And you get the advantage of having a head that doesn't have a bunch of uh, levers and stuff sticking out. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's just like everything else in photography right now, there's a lot of innovation going on. In terms of the uh, particular type of ball head or, or any type of head, I don't really have uh, a recommendation you know, per se, I don't. I don't know, Steve. Do you do you have something that you're absolutely in love with? There's uh, people. I don't shoot. The only time I shoot with a tripod really is for time lapse or or for video. So, yeah, the beauty of a tripod is it 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 hopefully can be an almost once in a lifetime investment because you know if you hang on to it. I wasn't you know. going to admit that about mine. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Bogan three hundred two one right upstairs. I was just using. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And and this gentleman sounds like he kind of answered his own question because he he doesn't he's not that enamored with the ball head and frankly, you know, he can he can definitely use not not necessarily have one and if if you plan on using video then, you know, the 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 the, the more traditional style style tripod is good. You know, you go look at tripods now, there are just so many of them. They're all good. The one thing I would mention is, you know, carbon fiber is light and light is good when you're, you know, carrying it will it will it will give you more impetus to to take that tripod with you uh even if you end up not using it, it it's not going to hurt you so much if it's light so now do you use good, do you ever do you ever use uh, weights if you're with a carbon fiber one of the of course it's light but it's also light when you're trying to keep everything very steady do you ever yeah. use sandbags or weight or anything else to kind of to to slow it down 
Absolutely. It, it makes perfect sense because a lot of these tripods, the carbon fiber ones, come with a little kind of material bag that you can, you know, just either hook the a hook that you can put your camera bag on to use as the extra weight or, you know, find a few rocks in the field that you can add to the the bag to, to anchor that thing down. And uh, you have the best of all worlds. You have a very light tripod to carry. And when you're at your location, you can really stabilize it by by adding that extra weight. You know, the camera bag is 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 what I often use to to kind of uh, uh, weigh the tripod, anchor it down. It's so funny when uh, uh, when I saw this question, it made me think of probably the thing that strikes the most fear into my heart is is like trying to buy a purse for my girlfriend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the one that she'll actually like, and uh, because it's just really hard to pick some things out for other people. Yeah. Why and would you even attempt that, Derek? Because exactly, you know. exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> I, and, and I, I have to say that tripods to me sort of fall into that same category. I think they're a very personal item. And I think you kind of just brushed on something, Steve, that I would recommend, which is just go where there's a bunch of them. Uh, like if you go to a trade show or go to a great photo specialty store and just try a bunch of them. And I think that's, that is really the best way to figure out uh, which one's right for you. Yeah, a great, you know, a lot of photography stores will have them. I know that, of course, uh, a lot of us have been in and out of New York, and, you know, going to B&H is one of the best places. Um, uh, B&H is not, by the way, a sponsor of the show. <laughs> but, but I have to say yeah, that it's... B&H, you, the tripod section is like a cornfield. Yeah. It yeah, is. Yeah. It really is. It's I think that, that, is the, that is the largest tripod selection I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and so, anyway, so it's, uh, it's great. if you're walking through New York, even if you're not going to buy anything at B&H, uh, uh, you, can, you can go there, you can try the tripods out, and you can get a lot of free candy. Well, you know, like, B&H can be a blessing and a curse because when you, head, you walk into the thicket of the cornfield that is the tripod section, there are just so many choices that unless you give yourself enough time, I mean, you're not even going to have time to, to lift everyone up and, and check them well, out. And if you're looking for a ball head, the other thing to look at is, is the weight of your camera. Uh, because I know that, and, and what you're going to put on top of it. I know that I started with a small ball head. I had, a, I have a couple of Manfrotto ball heads, and I use them a lot for uh, QuickTime VRs or or HDR panoramas. And uh, the problem that I have is that even the small rig that I use for my panoramas is pretty heavy, and I'm trying to go around in a circle, and it'll actually flex just a little bit. So then you find yourself buying these bigger and bigger ball heads to make sure that that tripod head is not going to flex at all when you go around. Uh, to shoot your panos. And so those are the kind of things to think about as far as your specification. Um, most people aren't going to worry about that. I know that the reason that I've always liked ball heads for photography is just because it's very, very fast to get the camera into a particular angle quickly. And I find it to be a little bit faster than, um, yeah. uh, than, um, uh, than, than something like some kind of pan and tilt. The other thing that I find is that it's a little bit more compact. So uh, I can fit a larger tripod in my carry-on, that's typically the rule, by pulling the center slide out. I always want to make sure I get a tripod. One of my pet peeves is buying tripods where the head assembly is really part of the tripod um, because I can't disassemble it. And disassembling it means I can get it into smaller places and I can fix things that are broken and you know that type of thing. So I, I know that I'm, I'm always paying attention to that. And it looks like he, he's already going down this path uh, of making sure that those two things are running separately. But I think that making sure to pull, be able to pull that center staff out, you can get that thing into a lot smaller. I think I there's some Manfrotto that I know that I have that it just fits perfectly into my carry-on, and that's... Um, was it one of you that was talking about the fact that man, I don't think it was one of you. I don't think it was one of you guys. But I, we were talking to one photographer who said when they go to, when they go overseas, they just buy they just buy a cheap tripod while they're there. 
And then oh, they just, that wasn't me. No. no, that wasn't me either. But yeah. you know what? If I didn't have a tripod, I would probably do that. Or if it got yeah. lost or something. Yeah, they, yeah. They, I was talking to somebody and they were, someone on our show said, you know, I just buy a, a cheap tripod when I get there and I shoot away, you know, because they don't use it that much. They just need it every once in a while to, to hang out, you know, but they don't spend a lot of money on it. And then they just give it to somebody. <laughs> they, look, they try to find somebody who looks like they're taking pictures and then just give it to them and they're done with it, you know, it's, it, you know rather than trying but, to deal with packing it and shipping it and everything else. But you guys know that, you know, a cheap tripod uh, is still a cheap tripod and it's not as nice yeah. to, to use. You yeah. Know? So you yeah. want to have a nice no, tripod no. when you're in the field. Now, I, I do do that with boogie boards in Hawaii, but not with <laughs> tripods. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So here's another question. I don't know if we have an answer for this one because I haven't done a lot of this. Um, this is from Mike Henderson on our Facebook page. He said, I am considering getting into infrared photography and I am curious about how do you convert a oh, DSLR yeah. to be used with that style of photography. Uh, I'm going to get an inexpensive used camera for those purposes. Does anyone have any recommendations as to the certain type to purchase, or does it matter? This is fun stuff, actually. I, I don't know. I don't want to cut in on Steve, but I actually like this this area of of, of stuff. Steve, have you played with this? Oh, are you asking me? Uh, yeah. No, I have yeah. not. But you know what? I, I the only thing, and I'll let you talk on it because you yeah. have uh, the experience. But the one thing. I think makes sense is when you're getting ready to kind of um, upgrade from the you know Nikon D300 to the 400, you can take instead of selling your your older camera for a loss, maybe that's a great candidate uh, to be converted for for infrared. Which I think what is it about 200 250 bucks to have that done? About 250 bucks. That was a nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's uh, there's couple outfits that do it. I think probably the one that most people know is called Life Pixel. And uh, they're all over this. And they're doing conversions right now for about 250 And uh, basically, they, you know, they take out the uh, IR blocking filter. But what's really cool about Now, once you do this, is it, it's pretty much done, right? You're not going to use it for anything else? You have an infrared camera. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you have you have an infrared camera, and, and it will remain as such right. <laughs> going forward. But uh, something that's kind of fun to do is if you go over uh, to their site, I think it's lifepixel.com, They have these, they added these DIY. Uh, tutorials where they have a whole bunch of cameras, probably yours is in there, and they just show you step by step on you know what's involved to to do this conversion. And you can actually buy the um, you know the little filter thing from them that you replace the blocking filter with and do it yourself. Although they just say about twenty times you know you're 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 taking a lot of risk if you do this, but it's it is really fascinating to look at you know what's involved with this, and I just love looking at all the pictures of them taking apart these different cameras and how you do that. So uh, it's it's a pretty interesting thing. But Steve's advice is really good, which is uh, it's great with a camera that's no longer your main or your backup camera um, because you have lenses for it and all that good stuff. And shooting IR is is a blast, and it's really fun with a dedicated camera because it's you don't have to use a bunch of really thick filters uh, and all that dense filters. So and, if you want to uh, play with it, you can use filters. You can. You can. You need um, – the, there's a little test you can do, uh, I think, with your TV remote control, where if you have a bunch of ca- uh, a bunch of cameras and uh, you can put the uh, you can get the IR filter and you know there's a really dense one Mm -hmm. I mean it's like I mean seriously it's like four or five stops so what you're really looking at is you you are 
at that point, the, the big challenge you have is getting enough light and longer exposures. Yeah. And so if yeah. you really want to capture people doing something, yeah, you're going to need, you want a dedicated one. Exactly. Yeah. I still have uh, my original Canon G1, uh, which was, you know, their, their little compact kind of hybrid camera back in the day. Uh, for some reason, didn't have a very strong IR blocking filter. And so I have a, uh, an IR filter that goes over the lens, and I do use that. It's only three megapixel camera, three point two, but uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But I tested. Oh, it was someone converted an Olympus, one of the Olympus pens, to uh, an IR camera and shot with my Olympus lenses on that thing, and it was a blast. It was. Yeah. I mean, I really had a good time. I'm very tempted. I have a twenty D floating around that I really. Yeah, that's used. a good one. That'd yeah. be a good one. Yeah. And it's been yeah, sitting I'd there like for you. I, I would like to do this. I haven't done it yet, but I'm just at their site, and it would be fun to have a, an infrared camera. Absolutely. Yeah, 250 bucks. really, I mean, is what you're looking at. Uh, and, uh, you know, then then shoot a lot with it. Have a blast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad that question came up because I'm afraid that. <laughs> I have to do that soon, probably right after the show. So anyway, so, uh, so anyway, we've got Picks of the Week coming up here. Um, and uh, But right before we do that, we want to thank our sponsor, Hover.com. Of course, um, a lot of you are thinking about you know putting your gallery up there or building your website. You might be going over to Squarespace to build it, but you still need to have a URL. And uh, to get that URL, you don't want to deal with the gauntlet uh, that has become some of the other uh, some of the other ways to register, uh, you know, they're going to ask you, uh, would you like a car with that? And would you like some cookies? And would you like a server? And would you like some, you know, and, and uh, really Hover does one thing. They, you know, hook up your domains. Uh, they l- allow you to do it quick and easy. And I have to say, this is where I'm doing my domains. Um, and, uh, and it is so easy, especially once you sign into Hover, it is just so fluid to just get stuff. They also have a great way to see other URLs that people are willing to sell. So you'll be doing a search, and you'll see one that's like yours. Now, it might be $1,200 or, or $1,500 because that's what they think it's worth. Uh, but you, can, but at least you get to see it, and you can buy it without having to try to negotiate with them. In the same way, if you've got a bunch of URLs that are floating around, you can also make those available as well. So there's kind of a, a little bit of a building uh, market there as well. Uh, one of the great things is if you have a problem uh, and you're trying to figure stuff out, they have a no-hold policy, which means that uh, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, you're not going to – you're going to actually call, and there's going to be this thing called a human being. I know that sounds crazy. It's this thing that we used to have on the other side of a phone that when you called, they would talk to you. It's crazy. It's crazy. And they, and they, they have a lot of those. And so um, what they don't do is they don't run you through a gauntlet of all these other services they could sell you. You can uh, get your domain, and you can get your email. You know, get your email address uh, boxes set up if, if you like. Uh, of course, you can set all your privacy controls and so on and so forth. But it's not a lot of clicks. It's not a thousand pages of things that you don't want. Uh, and it's uh, just a quick and easy way uh, to actually uh, get this done. And a lot of people, I'm not going to get into the, not going to name names, but a lot of people have been deciding lately that they're going to move their uh, registrations from one uh, one group to another. <laughs> and we can say that publicly, Hover has been very uh, anti-SOPA, anti-PIPA. Uh, for those of you who are paying attention to that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so a lot of people have been moving stuff to Hover um, uh, due, to, due to some of those issues. And so uh, anyway, if you want to give it a shot, if you're looking to do a new, uh, a new URL and you want to do it quick and easy, uh, go to Hover.com slash TWIP and you can get 10% off. Uh, that's Hover.com slash TWIP. And also if you've got a bunch of URLs that you want to move, which a lot of people are doing right now and we're doing, uh, 
is uh, you can also use a, uh, they have a concierge service, which uh, helps you do all of that. And someone will just kind of push through that as fast as is possible. So once again, go to www.hover.com slash twip. And now it is time for our picks of the week. Derek, what's your pick? Oh, well, I was talking about this earlier, that if you have an iPad 2, there's a new piece of software out uh, for $4.99, $4.99, called iStop Motion. And if you want to just start experimenting with time-lapse and, and uh, stop-motion photography without a big investment, it's a blast. And it really allows you to change frame rates, and, and uh, you can even add a, a soundtrack to it. You can export to your camera roll or export up to uh, YouTube directly or Vimeo. And, uh, you know, just get a feel for this. And what's fun is that you can either use the, the camera on the, on the back of the um, iPad or you can use uh, an iPhone in, in, on a network and, and capture and do it all in real time. And I've just had a blast with it. I think it's, it's really nice software. And I think it's really good for you know, like an educational setting or something like that to get kids uh, doing this and having fun and, and making fun movies. It is so cool to have something all connected. And, and they, the, I, the remote camera is free, right? It's free. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's just uh, you just get it in the app store. Yes. So your total investment, I mean, obviously you have to have the hardware, but your total software investment is $4.99. I love the way the software industry has gone as far as that goes. Because <laughs> I buy yes. so much software on my iPhone and my iPad, way more than I buy for my computer now. But part of the reason that I do that is because it's all, you know, $4 and $5. And- yeah, yeah. And it, it's, I mean, you know, I have to tell you that my bigger consideration now software for the iPad and the iPhone is, uh, you know, how much stuff do I want to have on my device? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I want to make sure I don't put a bunch of stuff on there I'm not going to use. Where it, whereas before on my Mac, it used to be how much could I afford? Yeah, it's funny. I have all 10 pages on my iPad, on my iPhone full. And so I'm constantly either putting them in the folders or deleting them. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. just wiping them. And what's great is if you delete it and you decide you wish you had it later, and you just install it again. You yes. Know, it's, it's, uh, it's good times. But anyway, this, this software I, I think is, is, is really a lot of fun. If, if those of you out there wanted to get into time lapse or stop motion, easy way to do it. It even has onion skinning for, uh, for nice. your stop motion stuff. Excellent. Thanks, Derek. Uh, Steve, what is your pick for the week? Well, I chose a book um, by a photographer by the name of Vivian Meyer, and I don't know if um, you guys uh, talked about her on the show before, but she was this passionate photographer. She she passed away at the age of, uh, I think, 83 in 2009, born in, in New York, uh, worked as a nanny uh, most of oh, the Oh, we did. We talked yeah. about it. We did talk about her. And this most was the, the professional life. Yeah. Right. Uh, and... and um, you know, an extraordinary photographer being heralded as one of the, the great uh, street photographers of the 20th century. But what makes her story unique is that she never shared any of her work with anybody. She was this passionate photographer. She shot her entire life and she traveled quite a bit in her life. Um, but in 2009, her storage locker was sold off for non-payment. And fortunately for us, um, uh, John Malouf, I think his name is one of the co-authors, uh, right. found some of her work and, and championed uh, sort of finding more of it. And it's an extraordinary collection of uh, photographs that we can all appreciate. And it, it sort of begs the question, you know, we, we shoot because 
we enjoy the the pleasure of photography in in many different ways but most of us want to share our work with someone and you know as as far as we know she didn't really share it with with anyone her entire life it was almost kind of a selfish thing or a, a selfish pleasure if you will or maybe just but, an insecurity she didn't, and you know. maybe maybe that's correct. But you know, you can tell there was a joy to her work because there's included in this book by Powerhouse um, are a few uh, sort of self portraits. So you see her uh, at different uh, sort of stages of her life, a younger woman, and as she got older. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's an insecurity. Maybe it was just a need, uh, no need to kind of to to share it. Uh, it's it's a real shame, um, really, because. I think as photographers, uh, uh, what we do is, you know, gives us kind of a, a way to kind of show people, you know, what we think is important or the beauty in something or something that makes you mad. And photography is our way of expressing it. And, you know, when you express it without ever sharing it, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> right. I have a hard time. You know, it's, it's always a lesson for me because I take so many photos and a lot of them sit in my aperture library. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just they just kind of pile up and my wife um, exactly. clamors for access to the kids' photos. So that, Yeah, but, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get around to it someday, right, when you send over your stuff to India to get uh, edited and processed? I keep telling myself that. <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. So anyway, that it, it's a it, I we did we did a whole almost a whole show on it, or we did a very long segment on this. About, uh, about I apologize about, then, but yeah, no, no, I, not on I, the book though. I'm, the book the book wasn't out. It was we were just talking oh. about the prints. So I'm really glad that you brought up the book because that reminds our listeners that the book is now available. Yes, fantastic. Uh, so my pick of the week uh, is another i iPhone. I become very obsessed with my iPhone related to photography, and a lot of that has to do with the iPhone 4s, where the the quality of the images jumped, I feel, very dramatically. Um, and I'm taking more and more photos with it. And uh, I find myself with my 5D going back and forth between my, my 4S because there's things I want to share quickly and do weird things too quickly. Uh, and then there are things that I really want a big, high-resolution photo, and I keep on using both of them a lot. Uh, this this um, one is when you're talking about doing kind of fun uh, things with your iPhone. Um, is called Synth Cam. So it's S-Y-N-T-H cam. And here's what synth cam does is in uh, Kevin Hansen, who's um, uh, someone that works at, at the pixel core with me. Uh, he's the one that shows me we were in Japan and we were at a place called Harajuku and, um, and what you can do, and I wanted to capture all these people walking by, but I also wanted to capture the buildings. And it was kind of hard to do both of those in a, in a kind of a, an area that felt like motion. And what you can do with, with uh, Synthcam is you you can decide there's two or three or four points that I want to track. And so you'll sit there and grab these points and you can sit there and track something in the background. So it might be the windowsills on either side of the street. And you hit record and what it does is it just starts to, it keeps, it stabilizes to those points that you've set up to track. But it basically then um, continues to accumulate all the everything else that's happening around it that's moving. Now, if you did it long enough, it'll actually you know slowly get rid of everything else. Um, but if you but otherwise, it, it simply accumulates it. You get these great like blurs of people going in and out, and it's just a lot of fun. And you know, I think it's like ninety nine cents or two ninety nine or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the price is, but it's cheap, and uh, you can put it on your iPhone. And when you're done doing the I stop motion, then you can switch over to SynthCam <laughs> and. Uh, uh, and and uh, you know get get a and it's in some ways this, a similar effect in a different way. So yeah, you know I think it's interesting right now. I I love the iPhone 4s too, and I, I think the camera is very good. And 
I, I just think it's it's a great testing ground to try things in photography that I've always wanted to do but didn't want to get all complicated uh, about it. And I, I'm experimenting a lot more now than I was even a few years ago, and uh, I love it. Well, and I think that this is, again, not to sound like a broken record, but we've talked about this in the past, but I really think this is the case. These kind of applications are the case for why somebody needs to make a sensor with a lens mount that just simply plugs an iPhone into it. Yeah. And, and you know because yeah. the, the thing is is that we're we're experimenting not just we're not just taking ca- pictures like a camera. We are experimenting with the process of photography and it's Absolutely. much and it's much easier to do if you could just program for an iPhone and rather than trying to to write the BIOS or having, you know, magic lantern, you know, rewrite the the you know firmware of your 5D or Rebel which is great by the way. I'm about to do that to one of my 5Ds, but the um but the but the point is is that you you really want something that any iOS developer can whatever they can creatively think of they could take over that camera and in addition to having the lens that you have the lens and the and the chip that you have on the iPhone you had a great either APS or full sized chip with a, either a Canon or Nikon or both you know lens mount um, I just think that would be that I think to me that's the next revolution in the next year or two. It'd be very exciting. Yeah, so hopefully we'll. Uh, I keep on saying it with just these little dreams that someday we're gonna. It, you, more and more people are building concepts on the web, so I feel like that's the beginning <laughs> of someone figuring this out. Maybe Kodak before they go. You know. <laughs> Could save the company. Yes, exactly. They they were but they were on the brink, and then they built an then, iPhone uh, phone, an iPhone, <laughs> an iPhone camera, and they made millions. So um, so if Kodak, if you're listening, this is the direction. I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. I'm Steve. sure they're listening. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So, Steve, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me. Um, I'm actually going to be at at iWorld in uh, San Francisco doing a workshop and uh, some Nikonians workshops, uh, January 26th, 7th, 8th, and 9th um, in in San Fran. You're your neck of the woods. Yes. Hopefully, I'll be there for some of that time. I have some. I have to be in Germany a couple of days before that, so I'm hoping to that I will recover and be back there by then. So uh, hopefully I'll see you there. I hope so. And Derek, where can people find you? Uh, TheDigitalStory.com. That's my home base for everything. And Twitter and Facebook all kind of run through that site too. And uh, I've just uh, announced a bunch of workshops for 2012. So if you click on the workshops button up in the top nav bar, you can see what's going on for this year. And I'm totally excited about it. Just, I think 2012 is going to be a fun year. Yeah, I think I, I took my first Derek Story workshop at Macworld uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I totally recommend anyone having the opportunity to uh, take a Derek Story workshop to do so. Oh, that's so sweet! But we do have a lot of fun. We are, it's really an enjoyable thing, and you know, you know, and this sort of plugs into a lot of stuff we've been talking about. But doing photography with other people who are also passionate about it is, is a real high. I have to tell you, it's the other people, the workshop that excite me as much as, you know, whatever the teacher or whatever else is going on. Are you going to PMA next week? Yes, I'm going to be at, at CES. I'm going to be bouncing around there and uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I, I need a little, I haven't been to Las Vegas for a while. Oh, so. I'm there all the time now. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. I'm like okay, you know, but but it's yeah. uh, but you know, I'm I'm I'll be there um, uh, as part of uh, I'll be there as part of the Twit crew and and uh, probably just doing a, a little bit of my own stuff. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to be there. Low Pro hired me to do some work for them, so I'll be there doing work for Low Pro. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'd be fun. 
Don't forget to tune in to TWIP Live on the last Thursday of every month, starting again in January. Follow our Twitter or Facebook feeds to be reminded. And to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, uh, head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to all of our online presences. Also, please support the show by leaving a comment on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as they are released. And we are now available on the Android devices. Android users can now subscribe to the feed, so check the website for details. And if you're looking for Frederick, he's not here right now, but you can check him out at uh, frederickvan.com. This is Alex Lindsay, and uh, you can find me at the Twitters, Alex Lindsay, all one word. And with that, it's time to take the lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar 